Before we go ahead with this episode, let me ask you some questions. What was your biggest financial goal for this year? Putting down a deposit for your home, buying a BMW, going on a vacation, or preparing for retirement if you're that old. All brilliant and valid dreams. But valid doesn't equal easy. Sometimes you get stuck. You start to doubt your goals, their value, and your ability to make your dream come true. Here's where CowdyWise comes in. CowdyWise is a digital savings and investment platform that makes it easier to help you plan a sustainable path to your financial goals. It's an app that enables you to save and invest in a convenient way. You earn up to 15% on your savings. No penalties, no fees. You can save as little as you want. I've had co-founder of CowdyWise as a guest on this platform. I also use the product. It is simple and efficient. To get started, you can download the app at cowdywise.com. The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Doton, coming up today on Building the Future. You know, it's famous now, right? Everybody in Lagos, <clears throat> in Nigeria as a whole, it's commonplace that you don't accept anything less than one year's worth of And when we started Fiber, right, we, I kid you not, we spent seven months looking for our first property. Looking for the property that you're going to lease out on a monthly basis. Exactly. We went from door to door, landlord to landlord, person to person, office to office, agent to agent, practically begging these people for them to allow us to pay them a quarterly installment. They said no. Building the Future Podcast Season 3 is brought to you in partnership with Flutterwave. Flutterwave's business is about connecting global businesses to Africa and building new businesses out of Africa through payment and technology. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion of Flutterwave. To get started, go to flutterwave.com. My guest today is Obina Okwodu. Uh, Obina is one of the earliest person that I got to know when I came to Nigeria in 2015. And I remember we going out with Inya Boyeji and going out through for, for the night, taking me to a club in Lagos and having a nice time. But then we got talking and I realized that Obina just came back to Nigeria having a huge dream and vision about building something great in the country. He was looking at different opportunities and looking at the challenges that exist in the continent or especially in Nigeria and looking at how to solve that and I wasn't surprised later on that he started what is now called fiber.ng which is a fantastic business solving very interesting problems so Obina welcome to building the future thank you so much thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here so it's good to have you so I'm going to start with the core problem you're solving which is fiber it's a massive thing because you're actually tackling something that a lot of people will hear you solving it and say, hmm, it looks like it should have been solved. It's like, why has no one solved this before? Why has no one looked at this problem before? Because it's not even a technology problem. It's just an innovation problem that can be solved without technology. So yeah. how did you come about that? So, I mean, I think 
one thing that I quickly realized when I moved back. So I grew up in Nigeria from when I was born to when I was 17, went for school and then came back. And one thing that I realized once I came back was that real estate, the asset class real estate is seen as the safest form of investment by anybody who wants to put money into anything in Nigeria, right? But it's also the most difficult to get your returns out if you're thinking about it from the supply side. So, you know, there's this, there's this, you know, big, you know, divide where, you know, what is seen as and what should be the safest form of investment has the most difficult path to actual monetization of your returns, right? On the supply side. And in that same market on the demand side, it takes someone up to a hundred days to find a home. And then when they finish, you know, that hundred day process, you know, with you know, dancing with all the different agents in Nigeria and, and, and you know, jumping through hoops, they're asked to pay sometimes up to two years worth of rent upfront with a straight face, right? And for us um, and, and for me, it didn't make sense because housing is one of the most fundamental needs. And if it's so fundamental, why is it so difficult to find? And if it's the safest investment vehicle or the safest investment asset, why is it so hard to get your returns out of it, right? And, um, you know, our population is going to balloon. Right. Um, in Nigeria and across the continent. And there have to be safer ways for us to monetize rental revenue from real estate and also make it very easy for people to move into a home and you know, pay for that home um, in a matter of days without necessarily breaking their bank account in the process. In a way, you looked at the real estate market, and especially the way it is being done in Nigeria, and you saw key problems that exist in terms of how people can get value from that. It is, it is a very good asset for investment. It is also an important way, uh, one of the most important need of human to get shelter. But yet there are some misalignment and problems or friction in realizing those needs and expectations. So I want to put money in real estate, then there is problem with liquidity and or returns. And then I want to get a home and there's problem and friction in actually getting it in Nigeria. And you look at those, th that as two key problems, which it's a classical way of looking at things as an entrepreneur to look at an existing market and see some of the challenges that exist in that market and the willingness of the players to want to solve that problem, but they continue to adapt and just live with whatever the problem is for a long time. Yeah. And you're going to say, okay, I'm going to find a way of solving these two problems at the same time. Now, how yeah. do you go about ideating that? Was it kind of obvious that people say, okay, I wish that there is a platform or there is a solution that enable me to be able to pay my house rent on a monthly basis instead of on a yearly basis in Nigeria or I wish there is a place where I can get quick liquidity or a return of my real estate investment and then people are talking about the solution and you just okay I can do that or was it something that you looked at the market and look at those friction and you said I'm going to ideate something that can solve and address both supply and demand side of the market. So no, so we actually started this because we were talking to a lot of people. So when I moved back, I, I you know, I've always want, I always wanted to be close to the real estate as, as the as an asset class, right? And I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. So I spent some time thinking about co-working spaces, spent some time thinking about some other ideas, you know, and, you know, did market research like anyone would do, right? And the responses that I was getting were, you know, almost in unison, people saying, okay, well, you know, this thing that you want to do is cool, but when I'm done playing around this year, you know, project, where am I going to sleep? 
right? You know, how am I going to find a place to sleep? Where am I going to, um, how does this, you know, this helps me in one area, but there's a bigger problem, which is my housing, right? And we, we took a look at it and to be honest, weren't really thinking from the supply side. So we weren't really thinking about the landlords. We were thinking more critically about, about tenants and, and how easy it is for them to find and pay for, for their homes. And so that was what we tackled first. If you remember, and I know you came to our first ever building on one of those viewings, right? The tagline at the time was, you know, live in Lagos, pay monthly. Right. And so we existed to be the way for people to live in Lagos and pay month because that was what we were solving at first. But then, you know, we, we spent a lot more time in the market talking to landlords, talking to property owners. And we realized that the problem is, is a lot more than it's, it's a bigger problem than just the demand side. Right. So the supply side is very broken. Right? And almost because of that break in the supply side, the lives of people on this on the demand side, so the lives of tenants is being made to be very difficult. I'll give you an example. You know, it's famous now, right? Everybody in Lagos, <clears throat> in Nigeria as a whole, it's commonplace that you don't accept anything less than one year's worth of rent up front. And when we started Fiber, right, we, I kid you not, we spent seven months looking for our first property. Looking for the property that you're going to lease out on a monthly basis. Exactly, right. We're looking for the first property. It took us seven months. We went from door to door, landlord to landlord, person to person, office to office, agent to agent, practically begging these people for them to allow us to pay them in quarterly installments. They said no. Sorry, first monthly installments, they said no. Quarterly installments, they said no. Biannual installments, so we'll pay you twice over a year, six months apart. They said no. And only about 50% of them said okay to one year. And, you know, we ended up, it took us too long. So we ended up just going with, with one of those people who allowed us to pay one year. We took over that property. But why um, did you want to go for monthly? Because if they were already accepting that, then there's no need for your solution. Because just to well, be... Our, our thought process was, our thought process was, okay, we're an entity. And, you know, we are fiber the entity. And so we're coming to you saying that, we are going to backstop anything that happened from the tenants, right? So I'm going to rent this space from you. I'm going to give you 12 post-data checks, right? And, you know, every month you can cash that check. You can, you know, you can go to sleep, right? We're, we're an entity. Right? That was the thing. But everybody said no. Now, and, you know, we took over a building. You know, that building was empty for almost a year before we took it over. We filled it up in, in a month. And, you know, that started catching on, right? And so over time the supply side is beginning to relax to us because we have been proven to be uh, a surefire way for you to get rental returns from your property. So now a good 75% of the leases that we're in right now, we're paying monthly, quarterly, and, and half yearly for us. stuff that we couldn't have touched when we started, right? So- Sorry, I just want to go back a bit um, to the problem because there are some people that might not be familiar with the yeah. uniqueness of that problem in Nigeria or Lagos especially. So I, I want yeah. us to dwell on that, the supply and the demand side. So the supply side is the, is the landlord that have a property that they built uh, or they've invested in as buy to let. So they want to let it out. The way exactly. it's being done in Nigeria is basically when you have like three bedroom property on Lagos Highland, you let it out and you are, uh, uh, you want people to pay about two years in advance because that's the way the market is. So people pay, I don't know, maybe $10,000 uh, per annum for that kind of property. And that's 20, uh, they expect to pay $20,000 plus agency fee in advance. So that means some of those properties are super expensive for somebody who is just starting a job. Might be able to afford it, but they cannot afford to pay $20,000 at once, right? So that is where the problem is for the demand side, where people rather than spend their money to uh, get a property very far away from Lagos Island. 
And so because of that, a lot of properties on Lagos Island are now empty because not just because people cannot afford to pay monthly, but they cannot afford to put that two-year rent up front. So the landlord are having issues because they are having these empty properties and, and there is the, the uh, occupancy is very low and then the demand side cannot afford. And then the market, nobody's coming to say, okay, actually the solution here is that the landlord should be taking money monthly. So you came in and said, let's do that. But exactly. then you're still having some resistance until you're able to prove that you can manage exactly. the supply and the demand side together. Exactly. And so we met, we met a really strong resistance, but that resistance has gone over gone away over time because you know the market sees fiber as you know a reliable way for you to extract rental income from your property right and even if they're not getting the money like they used to right so even if they're not getting the money like the one or two years up front that they used to it's really the trust factor right in us that allows them to do that right um which you know highlights the fact to us that this is not actually uh, this problem is actually born out of, is there a reliable way for me to get value out of my, my real estate, right? Because, you know, this person has come to me, I better just collect this one year from him because, you know, I don't know what's going to happen two, two or three months down the line or four months down the line. So once I collect that, I can go to sleep. You know, that's creating an entire a cash flow strain on the entire rental market, right? Yeah. Um, that, that lack of trust is creating an entire but, cash but flow. But is it not that lack of trust that made the market to behave the way it was behaving before as well, that I would rather collect two years in advance from you because I don't know, you might not want to pay me, um, so I'm talking from the landlord now and looking at the tenants, so the tenant might come in and doesn't want to pay after the second or third month because maybe something happened to his job or decided to travel out of the country. And then is that lack of trust is what is making a landlord to be asking for that much uh, in advance yeah it is but you know we used to have a saying that it's impossible for a hundred percent of the rental market to be a hundred percent risky right and that's how we were treating the entire market it's as though everybody had the potential to flee right or everybody had the potential to live in your building pay you the first two months and never pay you the rest right um but there's a, a more convenient way which is um to, to run due diligence checks on these people right um, and allow them to live in, live in the property and then pay installment to, as is convenient for them. Um, so we've been doing that. Q1, we had uh, defaults of about 2%. Q2 is about, about 25 So again, I'll preface this by saying that because we have um, control over the buildings, it's, our defaults tend to be a lot lower. Yeah. Um, it's it's not a, at least 98% of people on our platform are proving that they can pay. Talk me through how you actually target that the demand side, how you segment your customers and try to know who are the people that will fit into this. Because I used to tell people about Fiber. I say Fiber is the is a platform that enables millennials to be able to get an apartment in Lagos in, in an easy way. Was that something that you actually deliberately did, or it was just that the millennials and and, and young professionals are the ones that actually see this so as I, a solution for them? I think we very much created a, pro, a product that we would want to use and marketed it to people that were very much like us. Right? It doesn't mean that. You know, we didn't set out saying this was supposed to be for millennials. It just ha so happened that because we are millennials, it was a lot easier for us to, to create a product that millennials identified to. Um, that said, that, you know, there's, there's older families who are living in fiber buildings. And, and so it's not any, it's not specific to any demographic. So talk me through um, how you started then. So you, when you had that, you had this resistance from the landlord and then you were able to get some one person that said, okay, I'm going to do one year. And then you had this property. Did you have like demand um, like a pent-up demand before you went on a limb to 
to put one year down payment for a property or you just want to have that for us and then go to the market and say hey you can now rent this property for so, so what we did was we we created a splash page on that splash page it was living lagos pay monthly if you're interested subscribe here and we sent out a tweet right one tweet and we got a bunch of return and, and i think in the first weekend we had like 300 people sign up and we're so excited but you know these are the people who are interested in living in Lagos and paying monthly. And so on the back of that, and in the forms we asked, where do you want to live? What kind of apartment? Blah, 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 um, just to get some information. Um, and on the back of that information, we went out and found Interesting. Property. And so we found the property, sent, sent you know, a bunch of emails to the people who had already signed up and then the match. I like that. That's a good way of actually validating the hypothesis around your business. I do a program for entrepreneurs. Uh, they also work and where I teach about how to ideate before, how to ideate and validate your business before you actually do any coding or, or build a product. And what you've just done there is a classic example of how to do it in a good way. So you had a splash page or a landing page where you made a promise and underneath that promise was your basic assumption that people want to rent houses in Lagos and pay monthly. And then you had about 200 people that showed interest. They indicated that they would love to have this. You got more data from them. You used that data to build a product. So in this case, the product is you going out there to pay, to go and get the kind of house that these people want. And then you pay for it on a yearly, knowing that there's a demand already for that exactly then you went back to them and say hey based on what you told us this is what we've got for you this is available for you and then people took it up but i am sure it's not that straightforward like we talked about it there are lots of ups and downs and people because there's a huge gap between intention and ability to actually pay and that delta is what a lot of entrepreneurs find really really hard to understand yeah yeah yeah, somebody indicated that they're gonna buy this thing but then they're not paying for it what what is this all about so talk me through some of the challenges that you had in terms of you validating that not only can they pay now but they have the ability to pay for a long time, some of the things that you did around uh, making sure. So, so one risk, of our, one of our, so the risk. there's there's another layer of complication, right? Because right. It's not only you know you saying you want to pay, you actually into the payment process. It's also you saying you want to pay, and us being able to deliver something on time, such that you don't go elsewhere and get it, right? Right. So, so it's not so. So you could have found people who were willing to pay, but there are people who. You know, willing to pay, but you know, they won't wait for being out fiber to, to find the house before they find somewhere else to live, right? But I think one thing that we do is that we we operate on the basic assumption that people's living preferences follows a normal distribution for the most part. So even if you as a person um it may have missed you, right? Chances are, you know, if we we, we give ourselves um, the highest probability to fill up a place and to make smart bets if we go after property for which a majority of people have you know, identified interest in, right? Um, and so it's that basic assumption. So it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to get to you specifically because I know that there are a lot of factors that affect that, right? We rely on the fact that, uh, you know, that our data set follows some kind of normal distribution. And so in the middle is where we look for ourselves. So does that mean you look for a property that most people will want to go for exactly. in terms of pricing, in terms of the exactly. layout? So that and, means and not, necessarily, not necessarily most people, but um, there is a band, right? So um, we won't go into something if 1% of our witness wants to go in there. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So one of the 
challenge that I see about your business is also the father. It might be initially, I don't know how you maybe, I think you, you would have moved on from where you started. Is the fact that almost like a negative cash flow because you're always having this cash up front that you have to pay the landlord. And then I think as the market matures, then that dynamics might change. But how do you see that going forward with the, with the business whereby you need to actually have cash to be because you are actually investing on behalf of this your members so you're putting your money up front for them to pay you later on so i mean i'd love to go into as much detail as i can about this but you know this is as you know one of the secret sources to the business so i can't divulge too much i think what we've been able to do is build trust on the supply side such that we don't necessarily have to go into property or go into these places paying you know so much cash up front and we've been able to and We've gotten requests from people on the demand side, although it's about you know, less than 20% for people who would want to pay in installments that are higher than, than monthly installments. And so although there is a bit of a cash flow sink, it's definitely significantly decreased as well. So, but how do you see yeah. the future of this playing out? So again, your business is not, that difficult to replicate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Somebody else can say, I've got the money, I've got to go talk to landlords now. Or being as educated landlords that you, you can actually get liquidity from your business by in taking the risk up front and then paying you uh maybe a biannual or quarterly and then getting other people to pay monthly. How do you see this playing out later on? Because I know you've been in the market. One of the advantages of being a first to market is that you get a lot of data and you get some of the early data and you can quickly and easily adapt and change and actually even shape the market to, to the way you want it to be. I wouldn't expect that the same hypothesis that you had before is the same one that you're running with now. And I expect a lot it's of not. things is changing and a lot of things will change. So can you talk me through some of those things without giving too much of your secrets away, but how you see the market has been shaped by you or going forward and what will happen later on? So, I mean, I think, again, this is really hard to say without, without necessarily divulging too much information, but um, I think that a few things will set us apart. Right. One, as you know, Nigeria is, a, is, is big on trust and brand. And I think us being you know, the first people out there is good for us. And we're now at a place where, although as we started in, in a situation where we're chasing a lot of supply, but now the, the reverse is happening, which is good. Um, I think, you know, as we grow, we will continue, as, as we grow, we'll continue to double down on the supply side and, and be that way for people to generate guaranteed income from their assets. And then on the demand side as well, we're not necessarily thinking about fiber as just this way, convenient way for you to pay your rent, right? What we've been able to prove to people is that, you know, you can pay your rent like you pay a Netflix subscription right, in Nigeria, like you pay any other subscription in Nigeria. But the only the interesting thing is that your rent is a big chunk of your paycheck, right? So it's about 40%. And we have been seeing a lot of, of requests from people, um, from our customers saying, you know, hey man, you have my, I'm paying 40% of my paycheck to you every month. Why am I going out to find other subscriptions that I need? my life right why don't you guys just make it such that fiber moves from being a subscription for my rent to being more of a subscription for my life right um what does that mean platform that aggregates subscriptions right so if you think about you know we want to make it such that you pay one bill right you pay one fiber bill right that covers your rent that covers your internet subscription that covers your grocery subscription that covers everything around how you live your laundry your gym memberships etc and so we aggregate that through our platform so you're becoming a lifestyle uh, platform exactly basically. exactly exactly so for us that's on the demand side that's the big thing that we see right so we can be that one-stop shop we get you i mean we have the easiest way for you to find and pay for your home which is great but then there's also a lot more value that we can add to you than that and, and so we're kind of excited about that. And we've been building a lot of tech that helps us do that 
And there's a lot of advantage uh, doing that in the sense that you can, if you aggregate lots of what I call lifestyle packages, you can get them at, at a cheaper price than normal and it will be an advantage for your members. But also you can make some money from that because of the markup that you can have or, or the exactly. deals that you can exactly. aggregate. So. Exactly. So, so we're already seeing this happen, right? Our favorite internet providers are, are working in some of our buildings. You know, we're, we're integrating with some gyms right now. We're, we're integrating with some laundry companies. So all, this is already, this is stuff that's already in motion. It's made easier because, you know, there's just one platform that's taking care of that. Um, now on the supply side, I think, you know, there's some stuff that we're working on that I, uh, I, I wish I could discuss, but we'll become public soon enough. Um, but, so we're, we're working on interesting ways for people to um, invest in real estate, but also get returns for their real estate as well. Super interesting. So you're working on some things that will make it easy for people to invest in real estate and get returns. So, so one, of the things that, one of the things that we have just released and that we've been working on for a while is, is a way that effectively containerizes real estate investment, right? So if you are interested in, in, in investing in real estate, starting with Nigeria, but if you're interested in investing in real estate on the continent, you know, you can invest securely through fiber and be guaranteed of your rental return. So it's almost a, a securitized product right. that we've created um, for people who already own real estate or, or are interested in owning real estate. Um, and there are very interesting things that we can do with that. Right? So if you think about partial ownership of real estate, we can do that. And, 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 and getting people their, their partial returns, we can do that as well. So because we have become good at guaranteeing rental income on people's investments, right? We've been getting a lot of requests saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm interested in, in buying real estate, but I don't want to buy real estate. I'm going to be finding tenants. I'm going to be fighting with tenants. Can I just buy it through Fiverr? So we just decided to create a product. The product is called Secure. It will be on secure.ng, but we've just decided to create a product that securitizes that whole process. So you can buy real estate through Fiverr. Um, be guaranteed of that rental return. So you never even need to see the property, go to the property. You don't, you don't have any interaction. Would it be fractionalized uh, in the sense that I don't have to come up with $100,000 to buy a property in Nigeria? Because one of the challenges with real estate in Nigeria that I've seen is that you pay a lot of money for good real estate property in Lagos, for example, and um, the yield is low compared to how much you paid. And then the uh, the growth of that asset class is also low as well because it's not, Nigeria is not one of the fastest growing real estate in, in Africa or in, in the world. So you compare that to someone that has a choice like me in the UK or, or other places, then see, it's, it's a bit, it doesn't look attractive. However, and if you fractionalize it, okay, you can start with 5000 or $10,000 and you're not buying the whole property, but you're having part ownership of a property and then this is how much you're making from it. Uh, it becomes interesting is that what you're looking at so it's going to be one of the features that's added on this so it would allow you to invest partially into a property and, and get your partial returns as a function um but if, if you have you know spare, spare change that you would like to deploy and then see how it goes and you know as, as you test it out and you become more comfortable you can increase your positions then, then yeah then that's something you can do and that's and that's what one of the things that secure will allow you to do are you also looking at exit as well? Would that investment be liquid for you to maybe sell on a secondary level or there is an exit event? <laughs> I'm probing too much, right? <laughs> you're asking me a lot of... <laughs> You're asking me a lot of interesting <laughs> questions. I don't want to sell my business. <laughs> you know, you know, that's what happened when you come to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, let's just say that there's interesting opportunities for us to do. But then it makes it really valuable. I'm really looking forward to that because um, it makes your business on two levels. One, on a level that you're going to have a lot of data that most people 
uh, in terms of uh, the way people interact with the market, in terms of the rental market in, in Nigeria. You're going to have a lot of data apart from other people like Toilet that has the kind of data as well. But for you, you're going to have a lot of data with regards to not just what kind of rent that people are going, but you're also having data into their income, into their affordability and ability to pay and the kind of people that will likely default, which is a super interesting uh, data set that you have, which uh, a traditional uh, real estate agency platform don't have because what they do is just connect the landlord and the tenant together and that's it the only time they interact with the tenant is when they want to get another house next time and even then they don't have to go too much into their affordability but you go into all of that so you get that kind of data so that's super important and that data makes it very good for you to do the other interesting bit which is you can actually do some predictive analysis about what sort of house should somebody be building that wants to go into real estate where should they be building this kind of house how should the house be structured and, and what sort of flats and should they be having what sort of facilities should they be having in that flats and and because a lot of can i interject you right yeah um, so you're 100 correct so our march this year we took over a, a pretty big building 41 one bedroom apartments the largest collection of one bedroom apartments 41 one 41 one bedroom apartments right? wow um, okay and during the construction right the landlord was still trying to decide what to do uh, with the property we have aggregated thousands of people on our demand database and, and you know what people want at the time probably about 75 percent of our demand database was saying you know i want to live in a one bed i want to live in a one bed in lecky at this price right and you know he was still at an inflection point when we engaged with him right he's trying to decide what to build we told him to build one bedroom apartments um and he completed construction on the 15th of february and by the 15th of February, his place was 90% like rented out. And I think a week after that was 100% rented out. Wow. Right. It doesn't get more efficient than that. Yes. Right? That's what we're supposed to do with technology. Right? We're supposed to make the traditional industries more efficient with the data that we collect. And so what we've been doing is collecting a lot of demand side data and speaking to a lot of people on the supply side, um, informing them what to build. So that their stuff just, you know, once you're done, so you're not even waiting, right? You don't have any dead time on your asset and you're ready to go. And, and that place has been at 100% occupancy since we took it over. You know, that, that, that never changes, right? Um, we have been able to get a lot of demand side data. Because of that, of, of the data that we have, we, we can kind of advise people on what to build and, and we can give people information on, on you know, where the market is, where the demand market is. And in a way that nobody in, in, in the real estate market, say on the continent, but I know for sure in Nigeria has never really done. And, and I think that's one of the key intrinsic value of your business. The intrinsic value of your business is that you're going to collect more data about the supply side and also the demand side than anyone else. And then you can use that to, like in your example, build product that is fit for the market, basically, because the landlord would have just built whatever everyone else was building, which is exactly. a standard family home, a three bedroom exactly. house or four exactly. bedroom house with exactly. three, four toilets. So, so when, when we started doing the analysis, right, we saw that, you know, I think it was about 8% of the available supply. So it was a huge mismatch. 8% of available supply was being chased after by 75% of available demand, right? And we saw that about 50% of the available supply, about 60% of the available supply was being chased after by about 10% of the available. Demand. And this, this is exactly what you see in a market where there is no transparency, in a market where 
you know, there's almost a huge Chinese wall between the supply side and the demand side and nobody's talking to each other, right? Now, us having that data and being able to connect both sides just makes it more fluid and, you know, makes it better for both the supply side and the demand side. So both the, the property owners and the tenants. Can we look at it now um, in macro level? I just want to put it on the spot here. Are there other market or industry in Nigeria where there is that lack of data, lack of transparency and the data will create more efficiency in the market that other entrepreneurs can go into or people should be looking into based on your own understanding of the market in Nigeria? So, I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure um, many other markets where this exists, but, but I, I will say that, you know, traditional markets that haven't seen much tech are ripe for things like this, right? I have friends who are, who are working in agriculture, and I know it's no secret the demand and supply mismatches that, that exist there in other such markets. But I think what we've seen is that in markets that are usually not touched by technology, right? You know, people are not talking to each other. So both sides of the market, there's a divide between both sides of the market. And those are the interesting ones that I think you can find these, these type of, um, of issues. And it's also good because, so a friend of mine has a, has a thesis about the kind of business he, he wants to be investing in. And the thesis is that industry or that market must already have some transaction already or a lot of transaction money is already going there but technology can make it more efficient rather than trying to create a new one and then you look at how can you then use technology for example in this case creating transparency or reducing friction or making uh, the supply and the demand side talk to each other easier or making it cheaper or affordable for one side of the market and the other or in your own case as well making it easy for the supply side to be able to get liquidity or return for their investment and i think you can apply that same set of principle to a lot of things like like you said it's agriculture or the fast moving good products supply chain or even transportation or even employment and stuff in many areas and, and even governments as well where there's the principle of data if there's transparency in this market and you're able to understand what the user wants then you can build an efficient product for them and you can also make life easier for both sides of the market to be able to interact with each other better now exactly i want to ask you another question about the future. So I think your space is going to heat up very soon, right? Because there's no strong barrier of entry, right? You're not building fantastic uh, algorithmic technology. It's just you being fast and using data and and, and making sure that both sides of the market that you're serving are happy with you. And I also understand that some of the interaction that I've had with your product or other people that I know is you have huge waiting list, right? So it's huge demand compared to the supply. Now, how do you see both playing out in terms of competition and also um, managing that pent-up demand that you have? So, I mean, I think um, I agree with you that I think the space hits up first. And I think we've, we've been enjoying um, our, sol- our solitude um, for a really long time. I don't think that sustains into the future. Um, now, we have had a, a demand side problem. I think a lot of that demand side problem has just been from us not figuring out fully enough how to manage our working capital. Right. Um, just frankly speaking, right? because when we started the business, we were a business that was paying one year leases to a landlord and collecting money in monthly installments. Right? Even if you have a billion, a million dollars, that dries up quickly. Right? Now, that does not exist anymore. So we've become a lot smarter with our operations and are getting people off of our leases quicker than we have in the past. Right? Now, in terms of what I think for the future, I mean, it's really tough to say. I think what, what you'll see from fiber specifically is that the data that we have and the experience that we have, we have gathered to be building products and shipping things that allow us to rely on our, you know, the information that we have in our brand to, to make 
the market more efficient. Now, I don't really know what competition will do. Competition might come in and try and do what we're doing right now. Competition might come in and, you know, affect the new things that we're building. I'm not really sure. But um, what I do know is that, you know, we spent time in the market. We built a brand and we have gathered a lot of data. We, we know the pain points. Um, and we have a really good pipeline of products that I think solve a lot of those problems that will allow us to get network effects quickly enough and to, to catch people on the supply side and to catch people on the demand side as well. Right. So you're going to be moving faster and than your competition. That's one of your big bets in terms of how yes. defensibility going forward. Exactly. Do you have a plan to go outside Lagos or Nigeria? And do you see this kind of challenge in other places in Africa as well? So I don't necessarily, I mean, I, I think the, the process of finding and paying for a home is inefficient in, a, in other markets. I don't think the two-year upfront thing exists in other markets. I think Nigeria and, and Accra are, are very specific and we're the only ones that have that plague. But I think, you know, finding homes can be made more efficient um, in other markets and also path to liquidation. So path to getting your returns from your assets can be made more efficient in other markets as well. So um, our expansion efforts across, you know, out of Nigeria will be predicated on those two things. It, it wouldn't be as much of a come and live here and pay monthly. You know, the quickest way to get liquidity out of your assets and, and the quickest way to find it. How big can this get? Well, how do you see your market? I know you speak, and, and I know your revenue model is basically the arbitrage that you're having between what the tenants is paying you and versus what you're paying the landlord. But how big is this? And then maybe if you can give some view around your revenue and stuff. I know I can't really do that. Um, <laughs> you can give us some ideas. We're trying to build subscriptions for people's lives, right? So I think that can be a big business, right? I think if there's a platform that is controlling a significant amount of of someone's paycheck and that's passing through us then you know i and and we can do this in major cities across the continent whether a large population of young people by virtue of you know being the safest and most secure way for for people to receive rental income and their assets and then i think um that can be a big business i think that that's good pretty well right so you see that's a that's a big business in that regard yeah. um have you raised money we have right so in total how much have you raised can you give an understanding of that or have you done series a have you done C, so we've, done, to raise? We, we've done a seed and um in total we've done we've done a pre-seed and a seed in total we've done under um, a little under 800 a little bit under eight hundred thousand dollars to date and then you are in the process of raising uh, a series a so we're not we're not in the process of raising a series you, a yet. you're not planning to raise um, at all I know. I mean, I'm always planning to raise, but but we're not currently in in a process right now. Um, because I I find it super interesting to to meet entrepreneurs that will tell me that I don't want to raise money. I've got enough money, and I can figure out how to build. I'm not. I'm not one of them. I'll take money anytime. But uh, <laughs> what I'm saying, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, is our focus is not on raising money. Right? I I think um, we'll definitely be in the market again soon. Right. But we're not focused on. Right. And the money you're raising is basically to get more property or be your technology? Or, okay, your so, so it's a bit of both. So the money that we've raised um, works for working capital, but also operational costs. Right? Um, and that's how we've thought about it. I mean, operational costs is pretty light. Right? It's just salaries. And for us, our team has been pretty lean, so that's not too much. So, so a lot of it goes into this, you know, pumping the machine, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And then there's a little bit, I just want to touch on your background before um, we, you know, and I know this, 
our, this conversation just went deep into the technical aspect. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because, I, like I said at the beginning, that most of the time when I go into this conversation, I have some plan, but then the conversation just drives that way, the way, the yeah. way it wants to drive. And we didn't yeah. go back into your story. I knew that you studied at MIT and you also founded a business, uh, a startup before I was training secondary school students now to code or yeah, so so I I went to uh, I I graduated from MIT in 2014, and and while I was there, I, I worked with a few of my my classmates to create um, what was called the Exposure Robotics Academy. The idea was that we would come every summer and host a coding camp. It was uh, it was a six week coding camp that we hosted. It was done in my my old primary school of Grange School in Ikeja, and we would host people from all over the country and a lot of people who had never used computers before and teach them in a, in a language called Robot C and, and the Lego NXT robots, how to build robots and how to code. Uh, we were sponsored by Intage Switch, Shell, Catchy, and a couple of other companies at the time. Yeah, we ran that for three years after we were in college. Was there some results and some impact that you made from some of the students and that you can see maybe doing something now with it oh yeah still so, so one of one of them is, is an engineering coinbase now interesting um, yeah one of them is an engineering coinbase he was slightly further along before he entered the program another one of them samson is being flown around the world to talk about the work that he's doing samson samson Gordy. so there's huge impacts that you know we thought we would um coming in and helping people out but we're still feeling the ripple effects as a function yes that's one of the things about building uh, impacting people and doing capacity development it's a huge investment that keeps giving over time you just see the results of it honestly and and you actually have no no, you have no idea where the where the like bottom is because it just literally just keeps on giving so every, every now and again we get messages you know, one update from, from someone who was in the program telling us, you know, one great thing and another person, or see someone on Facebook who's been flown out of Nigeria to give a speech in San Francisco. Um, um, one, of the, one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud to have been a part of. That's great. That's great. I'm going to hand this uh, conversation with my fire on questions that I'm going to ask you and I'll just give maybe one line answer to them. Are you ready for that? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> so <laughs> what is your biggest business pain point? Oh man, it's a lot. Um, quality of construction in Nigeria. Quality of construction. Yeah. The, the building itself, rather than just the facility in it. Yeah, I mean both of those things, but but yeah. I agree with you. It's a real drag on, on our tenants and as a function a drag on us. Yeah. But uh, is it not something that you maybe uh, you can look into? It's, I think one of the key problems is not just the const- the house itself built, but just the finishing, <laughs> like the plumbing, electricity. Exactly. Just exactly. dodgy work being done. And that, and that's and that becomes a problem at scale, right? So when we were when we started the business and we had a few properties and you pay a lot more attention to detail um, on each one, but you know as you grow, it's really tough to do that. But you also have to make sure that your your NPS is staying high. And the big the big thing that factors into NPS for for our current customers is their experience. And if construction is bad, the finishing is bad, the plumbing is bad, then, um, you know, it doesn't, you know, speak well. Is that something you can intervene? Is that something you can intervene into, like, create or maybe get 
uh, your own service people and he's telling the landlord that you're going to, if you want to be on our platform, I mean, maybe, maybe when you become powerful, you need so, to use our service. So one uh, of the things that we're doing, that's one of the things that we've started doing. So in a lot of our legacy places, we've gone and replaced, you know, because when, when we started, we had no leverage, but in a lot of the legacy places, we've gone and placed the management. Um, now we have, you know, a list of people that we like working with and, and that, that give good service that we're working with in those places so as we gain traction and, and as we become more powerful um, it's easier for us to press our dominance right what is the number one growth metric mm. so our driver metric is number of customers number of customers that's number one and then which you know, the other one is the weighted average of how we're paying landlords the weighted average of how you're paying landlords yeah. so are you yeah. looking at driving that down or? that's supposed to go down Okay. Which book are you reading at the moment? So I'm about to start reading Factfulness. What is it about? Um, the name of the book is Factfulness. Um, so it was recommended by a good friend of mine. Um, I think it speaks about starting businesses and staying the course. So the one I just finished reading is, is Lost and Founder by the CEO of uh, Moz, the SEO um, company. And talks a lot about his journey is a very um, atypical Silicon Valley journey. So I'd recommend that to, to anyone who's, who's in the market. Was it that he gave a lot of equity away in his business at very early stage and he doesn't, he's regretting that and he writes about that kind of stuff? No, his, his story is very interesting. His first business he founded with his, his mother and, you know, they ended up getting in a lot of debt and, and working their way you know, out of that. So it's, it's definitely not the typical coming together with your buddies, starting a business, selling equity and growing. It's, it's definitely a very interesting, um, nuanced perspective. Which business apart from yours is getting you excited at the moment? Hmm. There's two that I actually like. Um, okay. One of them is Max, um, Metro Africa Express. Right. Um, I'm a big, big fan of the work that they're doing with their with Maxco, the on-demand motorcycles. I'm a huge fan of that. And another one that I like is actually Bitcoin. So buy coins. Mm. I'm a big fan of that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how that business does. Right. This is very good, interesting companies. Yeah, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Actually, I enjoyed talking just because maybe I know you a lot a bit, so we didn't go too much into your background, which yeah. maybe some people would like to know, but I like the way we would delve into your business model, the challenges, the inefficiency you're trying to yeah. correct, and then the future of the market. And um, it's yeah. great having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's, I mean, I, I'm so glad we're able to make this work finally. Thank you so much. Building the Future Podcast Season 3 is brought to you in partnership with Flutterwave. Flutterwave's business is about connecting global businesses to Africa and building new businesses out of Africa through payment and technology. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion of Flutterwave. To get started, go to flutterwave.com. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you, and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts. 
and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A.com and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks. Bye.